president is dead. Europe's still dark. What is this? We don't know. Life as we know it will come to an end in 90 days. It's on us to change that. I'm scared. Keep your eyes on mommy and daddy. Be ninja quiet. How do we know they're coming? They're coming. Ready? To see what happens next, tweet hashtag World War Z. Rated PG-13. Hello, folks. This is Rico, and you're listening to Tracks in Sci-Fi, the weekly dose of geeky goodness. This will be podcast 443 for June 30th, 2013. Yes, it's almost July, almost the 4th of July here in the United States. Actually, had some uh, pretty nice fireworks uh, nearby here last night. There's a, a lake uh, near yeah, mile, a couple miles from my house, and they always shoot fireworks. Usually, I think the weekend before the 4th of July off, and we can actually see them from our second floor pretty well. So it was kind of nice to uh, just sit in our house and look out at the fireworks. No bugs, no no going anywhere, and, and they put on a really big show. But that's not why you're here, is it, to learn about the 4th of July fireworks that I got to see last night. Uh, today we're going to do uh, what I like to call a classic Treks and Sci-Fi. We're going to look at a, a Star Trek episode. Haven't done that in a little while. Uh, a good uh, full look at one. We're going to look at the Deep Space Nine episode, Indiscretion, from Season 4. This is kind of a Kira and Dukat story, basically, and uh, one that I enjoy. I always enjoyed the relationship between those two characters on the show. So uh, that is the episode we're going to look at. I'm going to probably play the episode uh, along with commenting as uh, I watch it and you can listen to it. Also talk about um, some of the latest uh, box office returns for Star Trek Into Darkness. Talk a little bit about a couple other movies I've seen in the sci-fi fantasy kind of realm over the last couple of weeks. And uh, whatever else comes to mind. So um, before we get started, or the intro this week, is a new intro. I asked Rick Moyer, uh, musical genius extraordinaire, to come up with uh, kind of a new intro for Treks in Sci-Fi. And we may modify this occasionally over time, but I gave him a few ideas and thoughts about what I what I wanted in it, and uh, this is what he came up with, and it's really cool, really fantastic, and uh, I, I I love it, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy this too. So um, I think uh, that's about it. Let's just uh, get started. Here's Rick's new in- intro for uh, the podcast, Treks in Sci-Fi. I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen. I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. We are the men in black. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the Putus of Borg. Resistance is futile. Yes, a Jedi's strength flows from the Force, but beware of the dark side. It's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it's not technically accurate. It's, it's a gold titanium alloy. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. This is a 
you're listening to Trex and Sci-Fi. Yeah, isn't that cool, everyone? I, I really like it. And uh, thanks again, Rick, for doing that. And uh, if you want to learn anything more, uh, Rick's got lots of stuff on online. Uh, Moy- his uh, main site, I think, is just Moyer multimedia.com and he's got several other things of course he does the the very cool uh, take him with you podcast take him with you.com also he's done over the years lots of very cool star trek and other parodies for the show that can be found over at star trek parodies.com so check those sites out uh, when you get a chance so Anyway, uh, what else? Let's see to get us started here. Uh, I guess just get right into things. Uh, I, I could uh, talk a little bit about my uh, not so new job anymore. It's been about, um, I guess we're getting a month and a half, month and a half ish. Yeah, so into the job. Uh, it's going well. Had a few trips, had to go um, for a bit of a long drive this uh, past week. I drove over to Indiana from Michigan for a meeting. Uh, it turned into kind of a two day trip and. Uh, a lot of driving for only, uh, I guess the meeting ended up being about two and a half hours. Uh, it uh, It's not bad, though, to drive uh, just a couple of states over, except uh, the coming back. We've had a lot of rain in this part of the country over the last couple of weeks, and it was raining for part of the trip back, which yeah, it makes it a little uh, crazy on the road, especially when it was coming down pretty good. So, But I'm back, safe and sound, and uh, so work is going well, and I'm enjoying it. And, uh, it's uh, it's just uh, so different th- than things that I've done in the past, and I, I think that's uh, both a good thing and an interesting thing. And uh, but uh, still a lot to learn, and uh, but going well. The other little thing I was going to talk about, I guess, is is some recent films that I saw. Getting back into our, our geeky talk here, this. Um, I saw two movies in the last couple of weeks. I'm trying to keep up on on the stuff that's out at the theaters that I uh, am interested in. Summertime is always hard to keep up with all these movies because of, you know, there's usually some weekends there's there's definitely more than one even coming out that I'd like to see. And uh, so I have to kind of make some choices. Um, But I saw two things. One, I saw last weekend, I saw that uh, this, I guess, is more of a comedy, but there's some sci-fi and fantasy elements in it. It is called This is the End. This is the Seth Rogen uh, film that is supposed to be sort of the uh, end of the world. The apocalypse has come, uh, a kind of judgment day in a way. And uh, the the trick or the neat thing about this movie is the, the actors in the movie sort of play versions of themselves. Seth Rogen is called and is Seth Rogen. Uh, and, and there's just James Franco is in it. They call him James Franco, you know, but they're kind of caricatures, a little bit extreme versions of themselves. Uh, it, it's a pretty funny movie. It, it is not for kids. It is, uh, definitely rated R and, and has a lot of, uh, language and crazy stuff in it. And, uh, but if you enjoy those guys, if you enjoyed uh, Pineapple Express and, and other things that they've done, uh, you'd enjoy this. And there are definitely some like I said, fantasy elements, especially towards the later part of the movie. I don't want to give too much away. I'm going to try to do these reviews kind of spoiler-free. But uh, anyway, if you enjoy that uh, kind of stuff, go check that out. Uh, my older son had had seen it and recommended it to me, so I checked it out. And it is definitely a funny movie, and it's pretty crude in places uh, and pretty raw, but uh, but it is funny. Oh, um, Hermione is in it too. Emma 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 Watson is in the is in the movie, which is kind of funny because. There aren't really. It's mostly a guy 
guy show. You know, it's this group of guys uh, dealing with the end of the world. But but she pops up for uh, for a little bit of the movie, and it's it. She's she's pretty funny. I I I, I like uh, Emma, and I think she's gonna have you know just even after you know Harry Potter being done, I think she's got a lot of. Uh, lot of good movies in her to come and i i know and and she's got that other one out the bling bling ring thing not really sci-fi but um but i have to see that sometime anyway uh so that movie i saw last weekend uh and yesterday just yesterday i i saw it's been out a little more than a week i think now i saw world war z you know with brad pitt the zombie movie yes and you probably all who are listening have seen the previews to this movie this is it's not really like any other zombie TV show or movie you've seen before. The, the, the One of the biggest things, and you see, I'm not going to spoil this movie at all, so don't worry about that. Uh, and this is, the only thing I'll be talking about is references and things that you can see in the movie trailers that have been around for a while now. But the zombies in this movie, uh, you can see in the trailers, they move very fast. This isn't Walking Dead zombies. These zombies move faster than even a, a human does. Are almost. I mean, they 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 can run, they can jump, they can they can do all kinds of crazy stuff. And um, the the this is based on a book. I forget the guy who wrote the book. Uh, it's based on a on a, a pretty pretty popular book. But the movie is, I from what I've heard, I've not read the book, but the movie is basically nothing really like the book. I I mean, I don't know if they pulled the basic premise. Not I, I don't even want to say premise, but you know, the zombie outbreak and, and what happens with it. And I think some of the character names are the same. But other than that, I think that this is a unique uh, thing. It doesn't really have anything to do with the book. And I know some people that I, I've read and, and who who like the book, that kind of bugs them a little. But I don't think from what I've also heard that the book was very much something you could turn right into a movie. It had to be changed quite a bit. Anyway, Brad Pitt's this, the, he works for the UN. He's kind of this investigator character. And, uh, you know, the again, this is stuff you see in the trailer. His his purpose in the movie, in a way, is is to kind of find out, you know, what started this whole thing and is there anything they can do about it or stop it in, in some way or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a couple hours long. It's it's. I thought it was a pretty good movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, it it's got... Um, that kind of has, has some ups and downs in it a little bit and some changes in, in tone during the movie. Uh, I think they uh, they did a good job with it. I, I, I'd be curious to read up more on it now and maybe on the future DVD or Blu-ray because the, the big story with this movie was that uh, it was filmed to, to a degree and then they weren't happy with the final product. Uh, or wherever, whatever stage they were at at that point, and they did bat, they did kind of add some stuff in, or did some additional filming, and then re-edited it, and uh, they're pretty um, got to the point where they were pretty happy with the movie. And I, I think Brad Pitt is, besides being the the lead actor in the movie, he he was one of the executive producers, so this movie was pretty big and important to him, and wanted to put out a good product. And I and I think they did. I enjoyed it. it it's a uh, it. it it's hard to uh, describe this, and I, again, I don't want to say any kind of spoilers because it hasn't been out that long. But I think again, if you like this kind of thing, uh, you know, go check it out, and I, I think you'd be entertained. Uh, there's certainly some cool action scenes in it. You see that in the trailers, uh, and uh, there's, uh, there, you know, the, these kind of movies are, are kind of sort of you, you. I think you get into a certain kind of mood if you want to see this and. 
there's a lot of movies these days, a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows. I mean, I actually, I just named really two of them. <laughs> they both kind of are about the, the kind of the end of civilization, the end of the world, these apocalyptic tales. And, uh, and, and, and it's, eh, maybe it's the sign of the times of the era that we live in of getting these kinds of films uh, and even TV shows that we see, uh, you know, like, uh, the walking dead. Uh, but, uh, I, I thought it was fun. It was interesting. And, uh, I always kind of find these things make me appreciate, you know, the, the day to day kind of regular lives that we, most of us, you know, kind of still, you know, have, you know, world hasn't ended or anything yet. So <laughs> thank goodness. But, uh, it's, um, it's fun, fun to, uh, you know, have these little romps in, in sci-fi and fantasy to kind of take us away and, and, and enjoy, but, um, and that's mostly it, I guess, movie-wise. Of course, last week, Chris and I talked a lot about superheroes, talked a lot about The Man of Steel. Uh, there's so much more we could say about that movie, and I, I, I just want to say it's a good movie, ultimately, and I, and I think if you're a Superman fan, you should go see it. Uh, I, I'm going to see if I can try to go see it again. Maybe, maybe we'll try to see it in IMAX before uh, before it ends its run. Uh, we've got uh, coming out this next weekend... Uh, not exactly sci-fi fantasy, but us people that uh, are fans of that might enjoy this. They've got the Lone Ranger movie coming out with Johnny Depp and Army Hammer. Uh, is it Army? Army Hammer? Ar- Arnie Hammer? Army? <laughs> uh, speaking of Arnie, there's a preview. It's not sci-fi or fantasy, but uh, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger have this movie coming out, a, a prison kind of movie. It comes out this fall. I think October called Escape Plan looks pr- looks pretty fun looks pretty action packed and uh, they just had the trailer for that come out the other day so uh, so take the, take a look at that when you get a chance and uh, so that's uh, it for the movie scene for right now and then a couple of weeks we're going to get of course Pacific Rim that Guillermo del Toro uh, big monster fest with the giant robots fighting the giant monsters coming out of the sea so that looks like it's going to be a lot of fun to see and. I look at that as kind of the Transformers movie of the summer. Um, But uh, I'm going to take a short break here, and then I'm going to come back with some Star Trek stories and news uh, related to Into Darkness and some other things going on in the world of Star Trek. So I'll be right back. Hi, I'm Rick. And I'm Amy. And we're the co-hosts of Take Him With You, a podcast that's like a reality TV show, but it's not. Come get the juicy details of our life here at the Moyer household. Including geeky technology updates. Movie and TV reviews. And a discussion on a life situation where you get to share on Facebook and Twitter through the impromptu question of the week. Plus cool music and our spiritual perspective. So after you're done listening to Rico here at Trex in Sci-Fi, which by the way is an awesome podcast, two thumbs up from us. You can join us at takehimwithyou.com and listen to our podcast. Join us for the Take Him With You podcast, your weekly dose of reality in a good way. Hopefully a good way. Yeah. Okay. That's the point. Yeah. All right, I'm back. Let's first uh, talk a little bit about uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. We're uh, about, what are we, May 17th, let's see, a month and a half? Yeah. It was out, you know, just a few days after I started my job. So new job about a month and a half ago. It's been out, uh, still in theaters. Uh, and right now, as of, I've got some totals here over it from Box Office Mojo uh, on their site. Uh, this is the um, 
totals uh, as of the Friday, I guess, the 28th of June. Right now they're saying it's made at 200 and almost $219 million domestic. It is also made uh, about $213 million foreign. So that gives it a worldwide total of about $432.5 million, $432.5 million uh, worldwide gross. And the production budget on this was about $190 million. So they've, they've, they've definitely done well. They've doubled their production budget in, in um, what they've made. And, you know, I still, I think, I guess people, most people are, are looking at these numbers and saying, well, it's not quite as good as the, um, as the 2009 film did. Uh, and I, I attribute that to a couple of things. And, and I would say the majority of people, I'm kind of in the, in the middle on this. I mean, I'm not, what I'm trying to say is there are people, you know, that look at, you know, had been talking about, you know, the 2009 film versus this one. And a lot of people, a lot of fans seem to be thinking it, Star Trek Into Darkness is, is, is much better. They, they really feel it's a much better film. They enjoyed it more and so forth. And I'm kind of about 50-50 on that. I, I think I've, I enjoyed both of them maybe about the same for different reasons. Uh, I think the first one in 2009, I kind of enjoyed it so much because it was this brand new version of Trek using using characters that I knew and there was a lot of excitement for it. We hadn't had any Star Trek in a long time at that point and it was there was a lot of exciting build up towards it. This one of course you've got the established characters but a new villain kind of using this storyline from uh, and here's some spoilers you know using a storyline that's been used before in Trek to a degree. Uh, but anyway, uh, so the the box office, I think it's a little tricky to um, figure out, frankly. And I, and I think there was a lot of pent-up demand for the 2009 movie, which which I think added added to the, the box office for it, uh, whether one movie is better than the other. And that that's, you know, a movie being better than the other certainly isn't a measure of how it does at the box office. I mean, this Star Trek Into Darkness is successful. It's done very well at the box office, maybe not quite as well as the first one did in 09. Uh, and and I think some of that is is both, There's I think there's more competition too this summer. I, I think he had some pretty big movies right around Star Trek, Iron Man 3 being one, uh, of those and, and just I, th- I think it, it it's very hard sometimes when a movie comes out to especially during the summer to find a, an opening and then right after it you had some pretty big ones Fast and Furious came out and it's been making tons of money that was out just I think a week later so you know lots of factors go into you know how much money a, a movie makes but it's certainly done well it certainly is by no means a failure of any kind and I certainly have heard nothing that makes me think we, you know we won't be getting another film at some point in a couple two three years so uh so doing well go see it again you know if you get a chance if you've only seen that movie once i, I will urge people if you've only seen star trek into darkness once in theaters uh and you enjoyed it uh go see it again because I, I i really enjoyed it much more the next times when i saw it than i did the first time in a way and uh and it Especially, I think my my situation was I saw it in that IMAX theater, which was just like blowing me away sound wise, the first time, and uh, it was much more comfortable the second time watching it. So, uh, so take someone you know maybe that hasn't seen it and go check it out before it's not in theaters, and before it'll just be on, on home, uh, you know, home theaters, home box office, I guess in a way. So, and don't forget there's that special Amazon gift pack that you can pre-order the movie at already. 
uh, for like $79 and get that phaser replica as well. So uh, you might want to pre-order it if you get a chance before uh, those pre-orders are gone. All right, the next uh, couple of little Trek stories I wanted to talk about. I want to talk about this new collectible that's out. Um, there's a company called Cubify, Cubify 3D Systems. I'll put some links to this. I just actually posted about this on the Facebook group, uh, the Treks Inside Facebook group, uh, which you should join if you're not a member. Also join the forums. Send me an email, treksf at gmail.com, and you can join the forums at Treks and Sci-Fi. But uh, this company is is doing, it's kind of funny, this is doing exactly what, uh, and I knew this was coming, they're doing what they they had this Big Bang Theory episode about this. But you can get your uh, face put on a Star Trek action figure, a little six-inch approximately Star Trek action figure. Uh, you can get your face put on one uh, by this company called Cubify 3D Systems. And basically what you do is you take a, a nice good picture of yourself. Uh, you're, you're looking straight at a camera and I think a profile shot too. And they use one of these 3D printers that they've, uh, you know, seem to be uh, becoming much more available and popular these days. And you can get a Star Trek, a classic Star Trek action figure. In other words, a classic uniform is all they have available right now. But I, they're talking about adding Next Generation, maybe Deep Space Nine, Voyager, or whatever. I kind of think it'd be kind of cool to see the Enterprise uniforms because they were, to me, the Enterprise uniforms were, were much more different in a way than any of the other uniforms. You know, they had those little blue jumpsuits. So, But to right now, you can use the TOS style of, you know, red, blue, and gold type uniforms. You can do a male or a female, and you have, you can tweak the settings to be a little bit different. You know, you can make the figure a little taller, a little uh, shorter. If you tend to be taller or stockier or shorter and, and thinner or whatever, there's there's some settings for that. I haven't done this yet, although I'm very tempted to do it. Uh, but uh, and the price isn't that bad. I didn't think it's only it's it's seventy dollars for one figure, and that might sound a little expensive. But I can give you a comparison. Uh, a couple of years ago, I play a lot of um, one of the only uh, computer games I, I I still play a little bit these days. A few other things, but I play still World of Warcraft a little bit. And you could get your World of Warcraft character put into um, a uh, action figure by this company called Figure Prints, and basically they had access to your character through through Blizzard and World of Warcraft. Uh, you could give them the character name that you had. They would be able to look up how it looked in the game, and then uh, pull that data in, and then 3D print out your character. And I think when I got the, I got two of those made, and I think they're around a hundred or ninety dollars each or something. I got two characters that I that I play in the game done that way. So for for this, for only $70, getting a character that looks like you, uh, and, and I've seen some results of these, and it looks like they do a pretty good job with it. And as they say, your results may vary. It probably depends a little bit about uh, the way your face looks. You know, you certainly want to send them a good photo in, but uh, I thought this was a cool thing and a cool story to mention on the podcast. And uh, and the other thing that I was going to talk about Star Trek-wise, a couple of things. We've got some new, um, other new merchandise coming. We've got uh, a book by uh, Larry Nemechek, who I've interviewed and talked to on the uh, on the podcast before. He's doing this new uh, book called Stellar Cartography. It's a sort of a maps book of, uh, you know, the Star Trek universe. This looks very cool. And there, there was a book years ago called Star Trek Maps put out. I don't know if there's been anything else actually since then related to, you know, where where the different stars are, where Vulcan is, and things like that in the Star Trek universe. But Larry's kind of created this new one. This is going to be available. You can pre-order it 
just for search for um, stellar cartography. I'll try to put a, a link to this also in the podcast notes. You can get it on Amazon pre-ordered. It'll be out on uh, December 3rd of this year, you know, just in time for the holidays. Uh, they're, according to the description, it comes with 10 24 by 36, which is pretty big, two, two feet by three feet removable maps. Uh, and uh, you get to... Um, and get to see where these all lay out in the world. The maps include ancient Vulcan, Klingon Empire, pre-Organian peace treaty era, uh, Romulan government map, Cardassian Union map uh, from the Bajor occupation, uh, Federation maps from the modern era, and it's in a kind of a clamshell case, it says. So I, I think this is a, a cool, very cool product. Larry, I'm sure, did an excellent job. And, uh, yeah, the... Uh, this uh, there's a reference here now i'm reading it jeffrey mandel's 2002 star trek um, charts book that came out and so there have been a couple other maps types books that have done they've done over the years so that's another thing and of course we've got blu-rays of tng still coming uh season four will be out at the end of july and season five there's a trailer out for that already we've got uh, the captains came out on dvd enterprise uh, Blu-ray season two will be out soon, so there's just uh, lots of lots of ways to spend your money uh, on uh, Star Trek uh, merchandise these days. And uh, but I do like that uh, make yourself into a Star Trek action figure. I think that's great. So, okay, that's about it. That's all I wanted to cover. And uh, before we get into the episode, the episode of Deep Space Nine called Indiscretion. I am going to, I think we're going to just get rolling right into that. No more break here. We'll just, I'll start the uh, DVD and we'll talk about this fourth season episode of Deep Space Nine. Warp to Major Kira. All right, here we go with the episode. Kira. Major, you have an incoming transmission from a Roska Karn. He claims to be an old friend. I'm through. Roska, it's been a while. How's business? Oh, let's just say I miss the old days on Bajor. Smuggling might not have been the safest line of work, but it was a lot more exciting than selling scrap metal. It's on your mind, Roska. I picked up a lead on the Ravenhawk. Like the last time? Last time it was just a rumor. This time I've got evidence, a fragment of metal. Looks like it's part of the forward sensor array. Can you bring it to Deep Space Nine for analysis? Sorry, I'm afraid I can't leave the Badlands right now. Important business, you understand. Tholians are after you again. Let's just say it'd be better if you came to me. <sighs> it's been six years. Even if you have found a piece of the Ravanaka, it doesn't mean there are any survivors. There's only one way for you to find out. I'll be waiting. All right, so obviously we're teased there with uh, what this ship is that uh, this guy's talking to Kira about, um, the Ravenok. I think that's how they said it. This episode of Deep Space Nine was early in season four. It is the fifth episode of season four, first aired on October 23rd, 1995. The story is by Tony Marbury and Jack Trevino. 
and it was directed by LeVar Burton. This episode uh, was actually the first uh, time LeVar directed a Deep Space Nine episode. He had directed some TNG before this, and but uh, this was his first DS9 episode. And the uh, teleplay by Nicholas Correa. Again, this is uh, this is basically a story with Kira and Ducat searching for this uh, this ship that uh, could have some survivors from uh, during the Bajor occupation, or sorry, during the Cardassian occupation of Bajor. You guys know what I'm trying to say, right? Uh, you can fill in the blanks. And uh, Dukat and uh, Kira go off to investigate this situation. And there's another little storyline going on as well. And this, uh, I think there's a, a lot of interesting character stuff in this episode, which is one of the reasons why I decided to pick it. And it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a throwback in a way episode. There's some location stuff too. It's uh, very similar in a way to the plot of a movie, a John Ford Western movie uh, called The Searchers, uh, which which actually starred Jeffrey Hunter, who was of course the first captain, uh, 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 Captain Pike in the original pilot movie for Star Trek. So here we go back to the episode. Item number 17, Trellos Wren was arrested on the promenade outside of the Klingon restaurant. He's being held on four counts of petty theft. Trellos Wren. Where have I heard that name before? We arrested him once for attempting to break into the assay office. And now he's taken up pickpocketing. Hmm. Without much success. Still, I suppose you should admire him for his persistence. That was a joke. I'm sorry, Odo. I may have a lead on the Raven. I know what you're going to say. It's been six years since Aravanok disappeared. Odds are everyone on board is dead. That all may be true, but that is not what I was going to say. I was going to say, good luck. Good luck? You had a friend aboard the Ravenok, correct? Lord Akram. Which means it doesn't matter if I think there are any survivors, or even if you think there are any survivors, you are going to go looking for that ship. And all I can say is good luck. And I hope you find them. Ah, Odo. Such good advice, you know. He knows Kira. He knows Kira can't leave this lead untouched. Captain, you here to see me off? I'm afraid not. I'd like for you to postpone your trip for at least a day or two. What's wrong? Somehow the Cardassian government got wind of your plan to search for the Ravenock. They've asked permission to send someone with you. And you said yes? I said I'd talk to you about it. The Ravenock was a Cardassian ship. Carrying Bajoran prisoners. No, I'm not stopping anyone else from looking. I just don't see why they have to come with me. Because you're the probably going to find them. directly from the leader of the new civilian government. Nerys, I know this isn't what you had in mind. But Bajor and Cardassia must learn to work together. And that means cooperating on missions like these. All right. Just tell them I'm not going to wait forever. If their representative isn't here within 52 hours, I'm going alone. 
I'll be sure they get the message. 52 hours is a, a nice little nod to remember. I think on Deep Space Nine, the day was 26 hours. So did you and Cassidy have a nice time last night? So that's two I days. I wish he wasn't leaving tomorrow. Sounds like the two of you are getting serious. I don't know about that. I don't think Cassidy is looking to get serious. Ben! Cassidy! We were just talking about you. I don't mean to interrupt. I wanted you to know that I won't be leaving tomorrow after all. Huh. That's good news. I mean, that's great. How long are you going to be here? Well, that depends on whether I get this new job or not. I've, uh, applied for a position with the Bajoran Ministry of Commerce to captain one of their freighters. You're going to work for the Bajorans? Well, if we can hammer out an agreement. I mean, it's a terrific opportunity. I get to use my own ship, pick my own crew, and the best part is I never have to leave this sector. Where are you going to live? On my ship, I suppose. Well, why don't you stay here? I'm sure that Benjamin could arrange for some quarters. <laughs> That's a. Uh, I'm not sure a Benjamin bad idea. could. Yeah, he's yeah. he's sitting there like he's been stuck between well, two of them. I have a meeting on Bezier, and the shuttle leaves in a few minutes. I'll see you tonight. Why don't they just beam down all the time? Why do they take shuttles down that to the planet? That. I forget. Is there a reason for that? Serious. So this is the little side story going on, kind of the relationship between Cassidy and, and uh, Captain Sisko. Captain, the Cardassian transport Rapal is approaching the station. They are requesting permission to beam their representative directly to Ops. Someone's in a big hurry. Permission granted. Aye, sir. Yeah, see, they're, they're, they're beaming in. Oh, and guess who? Ah, Major Kira. I'm ready to leave whenever you are. So Guldukat, uh, although I think he in this episode he's he has a sort of a different title, if I remember. We'll be crossing into the Badlands in approximately six hours. So very good, Major. So now they're off on their uh, Guldukat, let's get one thing straight. Uh, runabout mission. mission. The only reason you're here is because I agreed to let you come along. When I give an order, I expect you to follow it, no questions asked. Believe me, Major, I want nothing more than for this mission to be concluded as quickly and as efficiently as possible. Now leave the details in your capable hands. Good. Then we shouldn't have any problems. I'm always impressed by the Cardassian makeup. It's one thing I don't Mark understand. Alamo Why here. The Cardassian just, government send you? I just always loved the way they made the Cardassians the look. was under my general command. Those were my troops, and it is my duty to try to find them. The question is, what are you doing here, Major? The whole neck ridge things and, and all that. One of the prisoners, I assume. Lord Akram. I see. So you're on this mission for personal reasons. Is there something wrong with that? No, not at all. I've found that when one has a difficult job to do, Personal reasons can be quite an incentive. So who was he? A family member, a compatriot, a lover? Or it recruited me into the Shakar resistance, so. Ah, the infamous Shakar resistance. We never could eliminate that little group of yours. 
And it was not from lack of trying, I can assure you. I hope you don't take this the wrong way, Major, but I've always admired you. You are the embodiment of the new Bajor. A Bajoran born out of the ashes of the occupation. A Bajoran tempered with Cardassian steel. Oh, Captain Sisko's right. You are in love with the sound of your own voice. <laughs> I know you find this hard to accept, but... He's kind of right, though, a little I bit. I believe that in some ways the occupation actually helped Bajor. Which part? The massacres or the strip mining? I have no desire to debate the merits of the occupation with you. I'm even willing to admit that perhaps we were a little harsh in our methods. But the fact is, the Bajoran people are stronger now than they have been in centuries. When we arrived, you were a weak, contemplative race, choking on your isolation. And now you have a new confidence, a whole new sense of purpose, not to mention our key role in the future of this entire quadrant. All of which Bajor accomplished in spite of the Cardassians, not because of them. Think what you must. But I believe the time will come when Cardassia and Bajor will grow to be not only allies, but also close friends. Bajor and Cardassia? Maybe. You and me? I doubt it. All I ask is that you have an open mind. All right, Ducat. That's enough. Now, if you don't mind, I would like to spend the next six hours in silent meditation. Is that a request or an order? Whatever it takes. Well, in that case, as much as it pains me. Yeah, I can understand Ducat's point here, you know, but uh, he's, uh, mm. uh, you know... We both might survive this trip after all. I think he always respected the Bajorans and especially the resistance and Kira on top of all that, especially. They didn't even wait for the interview to be over. After 20 minutes, Minister Azin said she'd heard enough and if I wanted the job, it was mine. So what'd you tell him? <laughs> what do you think I told him? I said yes. Congratulations. So now they're in Cisco's uh, quarters here. That's He's it? cooking uh, some dinner for, uh, oh. for Cassidy and himself. That's that's not what I meant. Why are you, know how you feel excited, admit Benjamin? Come on. I think it's great. We'll see a lot more of each other. You know, I was thinking about what Dak said. Maybe I should get quarters on the station. That's a big step. What does that mean? Well, I just meant it's a big step. <laughs> <laughs> it's just quarters, Benjamin. Come on now. It's not a really big, big deal. A good one. Could you muster up a little more enthusiasm? <laughs> I am enthusiastic. It's fun to see Cisco a little a little flustered here. He's always so in Forget command, about the job. you know. I'm talking about us. I tell you, I'm thinking about living on the station and all you can say is it's a big step. Oh, I don't think you took it the way I meant it. I don't think you know what you meant, but I do. You are afraid of commitment. <laughs> Who said anything about commitment? Obviously not you. You, you know what? Forget the whole thing. I'm not going to take the job. 
If you don't want me to stay here, that's fine with me. Cassidy's not too happy, so she just gets up and leaves. Which makes sense. I mean, he's he's maybe a little bit surprised by the whole thing, but okay, now we're um. How'd you get a hold of this, Raska? I bought it off a Ferengi scrap metal merchant. They've rendezvoused with Raska's mm, ship. It appears to be composed of Uridian alloy. It's definitely Cardassian. Can you tell if it's from the Ravenok? Why didn't you tell me you were bringing him along? Because when we talked, I didn't know I would be. Too bad. The Marquis would have paid handsomely to get their hands on him. And my government would be very happy to get its hands on you. <laughs> Raska Khan, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Smuggler, thief, black marketeer. There are at least 12 outstanding warrants for your arrest on Cardassia right now. But I suggest we ignore all that and try to cooperate with one another? The voice of the new Cardassia, so compassionate, so understanding, almost makes you forget that five years ago he was working Bajoran to death in forced labor camps and shooting anybody who tried to stop him. This guy Roy Brocksmith is playing Raska Karn. He turns up in from a, the Ravnik. a lot of stuff. No doubt about it. Did the Ferengi tell you where he found it? No, but I was curious, so I bribed one of his crew members. Turns out his last trip was to the Desaria system. Desaria? I believe there is one Class M planet in that system. Barely Class M. He found that in orbit. <sighs> Desaria it is, then. Thanks, Raska. I owe you one. Just let me know what you find out. Lord was my friend, too. So she gives a little hug to Raska, and then they are off to uh, the Desarius system I here. I just don't understand how the Ravenaut could have gotten so far off course. Desarius is light years away from where they should have been. The Central Command always believed that the ship was destroyed in some sort of escape attempt by the Bajoran prisoners. Maybe. But they could have had a problem with their navigational array or run into some kind of subspace anomaly. Hopefully, we'll find the truth. We're entering orbit. Mm, I'm reading severe ionic interference in the planet's atmosphere. Sensors will be limited, to say the least. I'm picking up a faint magneton signature. It could be residual radiation from a damaged warp nacelle. Shall we beam down? I wouldn't advise it. All this ionic interference will scatter our molecules halfway around the planet. We're going to have to do this the old-fashioned way. It's going to be a difficult landing. I'll take the controls, if you like. <laughs> That'll be the day. <laughs> Going in. So now they're on a sunny, perhaps. desert like planet. Only a Cardassian would call this hellhole invigorating. Oh, I forgot. Compared to us, you Bajorans are a bit fragile. 
physiologically speaking, of course. Don't worry about me. These were filmed in uh, Soledad Canyon. It's a bit north of Los Angeles. Uh, it's also been used in other Deep Space Nine episodes. Things like Sorry. The Homecoming, Rocks and Shoals. Now they managed to find uh, some remnants of the crashed ship here. It's a big step. That's all you said. Now they're in quarks uh, with uh, sure? Julian and Jazia. What do you think, Julian? It's ambiguous, definitely open to interpretation. But it could have been worse. He could have said, it's a very big step. You didn't say that, did you? I don't think so. <laughs> well, that's good anyway. So, what does he do now? It's simple. He goes to Cassidy, admits that everything was his fault, and pledges his undying love. That's <laughs> a little extreme to me. What if he just tells her he made a mistake, that there had been a misunderstanding, and that he really would like her to live on the station? Could work. Assuming that's what you want. Captain, I would think long and hard before answering. I don't recall asking your opinion, Quark. Well, maybe you should. I mean, who knows more about women than me? Everyone. You humans. All you want to do is please your women. You want them to be your friends. But we Ferengi know better. Women are the enemy. And we treat them accordingly. <laughs> humans. You humans. The key is to never let them get the upper hand. If she says she doesn't see you enough, Threaten to see her even less. If she wants more gifts, take back the ones you've already given her. It's all about control. What if your woman leaves you? That's what all the sweets are for. That's what the hollow sweets are for. It's a wonder the Ferengi reproduce at all. So, you never answered the question. Do you want her to stay or not? I appreciate all the advice. I'll let you know how it turns out. <laughs> so, just between you and me, what do you think about Cassidy moving onto the station? It's a big step. A very big step. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, the only one you don't see in this episode is O'Brien. Everyone else gets a little oh, bit of something to do, but. Uh... These are phaser bits. So now they're like Ducat and Kira looking over the wreckage. And paid for it. Yeah, they did a nice job with the uh, the wreckage here. There's also this rock pile that the that someone put together, like as a sign to uh, twelve graves signal. Oh no, this is sorry, the graves. Yeah. So where's it's just put together else? so organized. I thought that was a symbol they were supposed to be looking first for from space first. or something. What are you doing? We need to identify these bodies. I'll help. No. Our funeral rites are very strict. It would dishonor the dead for a non-Cardassian to view the remains. There could be Bajorans buried here, too. No doubt. But if my memory's correct, Bajorans are much more concerned with the souls of the dead than they are with the physical remains. How did Kai Maressa put it? 
What remains after death is but a shell, a sign that the Pa has begun its final journey to the prophets. Please, Major, don't make this any more difficult for me than it already is. What I don't get here is maybe the rocks would interfere, but... I have a list of the missing Bajorans. He's like... I should be able to identify them from the family imprint on the earrings. He's got... on the Ravenock. He's got a shovel out. I should be able to get something from the ship's computers. You'll need the command codes. Standard Cardassian military codes from six years ago, right? Yes. Oh. I got them from Bajoran Intelligence before we left. What I don't get is, is what I was going to say is that why can't he Very just good. he scan the remains with uh, a tricorder or something? You know, maybe maybe he's looking for actual like facial recognition or something like that. Maybe a scanner wouldn't be able to determine who's who. I don't know. You know, he could certainly know from a scanner what's a Cardassian, what's what's a Bajoran remains. And Ducat's dug up um, a Bajoran earring here at one point. And a little bracelet, it looks like. It obviously kind of means something to him. He looks pretty distraught by what he found. So this is something we haven't really figured out yet. I was able to reactivate the... Ducat. What was her name? I recognize the Bajoran pledge bracelet when I see one. My name was Tora, Yaprem. You see, Major, you're not the only one who had a friend aboard that ship. Friend? Is that all she was? I see. Don't worry, Dukat, you're not the only Cardassian officer who kept a Bajoran mistress. It wasn't like that. Yuprem and I loved each other. The head of the occupation? In love with a Bajoran? Ironic, isn't it? Did your wife know? No. And she's never going to find out. Now, if you don't mind, Major, I'd rather not talk about this right now. Here are the earrings you wanted. If Lord's dead, he's not buried here. According to the ship's computers, the Ravenock was attacked by two unidentified warships. The attackers chased the Ravenock here and must have forced her to crash land. Then the survivors could have been captured and taken away. Or they could still be here somewhere on this planet. 
Maybe we should go up in the runabout and scan for them from orbit. Too much ionic interference. The sensors would never be able to pick up their life signs. Maybe another way. In these conditions, track order readings will only be about 12 meters, but that should be enough. Enough for what? During the occupation, Bajoran resistance fighters carried subdermal implants of tritonium isotopes. The idea was that if they were captured, they could activate the implant, which would leave a trail of isotopes so they could be tracked and rescued. I think I have something. So she's picking up a trail cool. with her um, her tricorder of this isotope. Uh, pretty tricky idea. I like it. Um, sort of harkens back to, um, you know, sometimes another Trek TOS even where they use these subdermal implants. For one thing, to get transporter locks and things. I can't see meters in front of us. And anyway, we could both use a rest. So, so stop kind of pacing and sit down. Took refuge here in a little bit of a cave area for the night. <sighs> I don't know. I sat on something. I sat on something. Oh. Let me see. Oh. Oh, get it out. Uh. Well, keep still and let me see what I can do. <laughs> get it out. Ducat's bouncing. Oh. Oh. This is going to hurt. It already hurts. Just take it out. If you say so. Uh. No. Oh. 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 Ouch. It's a big, uh, about a four-inch long little spike probably was on the rock that he sat on. Dermal regenerator over the wound. Mm. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> He's got this little, this like, funny. thing rubbing it's on his, on Ducat's butt, and uh, it's pretty funny. You know what's even funnier? This doesn't work. <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, oh. Oh, yes. Oh, much better. Yeah, at first he's rubbing this dermal regenerator without it being activated on his rear and You probably should eat one of these. Ah, I haven't had field rations in a very long time. I'm sure they haven't improved a bit. Actually, it got a little worse. <laughs> Tell me something. What? Who's Torres Yell? When I reactivated the Ravenox computer, I downloaded the manifest. There were two civilians on board, in addition to the prisoners and crew. One was your friend, Torna Prem. And the other was Tora Zial, 13-year-old girl. Aha. Uh -huh. Guess who? I suppose you wouldn't. Believe me if I told you she was Neprem's sister. Mm-mm. Gial's a Cardassian name. The way I see it, there's only one explanation. Gial 
was Nuprem's daughter, and you... I was her father. Hmm. Now I know why you're in such a hurry. To find the survivors. You're hoping that... Oh, she's still alive and you can rescue her. Not quite. You see, if my daughter is still alive, I'll have no choice but to kill her. What? Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. Yeah, I don't think Kira would let that happen. You know I'm not gonna let you do it. I mean it, Dukat, you are not gonna kill that girl. Major, why don't you worry about the other survivors? And let me worry about Zial. After all, she is my daughter. That's right, she's your daughter. And there is nothing more important to a Cardassian than family. At least that's what your people are always saying. I have a wife and seven children. They are my family. They're the ones I must protect. Well, you should have thought of that before you got involved with Naprem. You're right. I should have. But I made a mistake. A mistake I intend to correct. You don't have to take her back to Cardassia with you. Let me take her to Bajor. No one has to know that you're her father. What kind of life would that be for her? Your people have never exactly welcomed half-Cardassian children into your society. That's why I sent her and her mother away in the first place. I knew the occupation was coming to an end, and that there'd be no place for them on Bajor or Cardassia. So you sent them to a prison camp? They were not on their way to a prison camp! The Ravnak was supposed to rendezvous with a freighter, which would take the Prem and Ziel to Lesepia, where they could live out their lives in some sort of peace. I don't understand. If you cared enough to help Zial then, how can you think about killing her now? Why not just send her away again? Because my position is nearly as stable as it once was. By aligning myself with the new civilian government, I've made many enemies. Enemies that wouldn't hesitate to use Zial against me. Listen to you. It's not your wife and your seven children you're protecting, it's you. By protecting myself, I am protecting them. And the only one who suffers is Zial. You would kill your own daughter to save your career. I don't understand you. You said you love Naprem. I saw you crying at her grave. I did love her. And when I bury Ziel, I'll weep over her grave just as I wept over her mother's. But that will not stop me from doing what I have to do. Do you understand? And when the time comes, I suggest you stay out of my way. I'd probably just shoot him right there. You know what I mean? I mean, it's one thing, like, I, you know, they both have weapons. Ducat's kind of walking in front of her. Just blast him right there. Leave him stunned or something. I don't know. Nog and I ran into Cassidy last night over at the uh, Vulcan restaurant. I guess she's not going to take that job after all. She told you. Did she say why? She said you didn't want her to take it. Look, Jake, sometimes things between men and women can get a little complicated. Yeah, maybe, but I don't think this is one of those times. It's pretty simple, Dad. You're scared. What do I have to be afraid of? A lot. <laughs> Cassidy's willing to make a major change in her life just to be close to you. If things don't work out, you're going to feel responsible. And that's scary. You figured out all this by yourself. 
Actually, I talked with Nog about it. <laughs> you talked to Nog about my relationship with Cassidy? And we think you have nothing to worry about. If Cassidy wants to change jobs, that's her decision, not yours. Same thing if she wants to live on the station. If things don't work out, they don't work out. He's a pretty smart kid when you think about it here, you know. Have you told any of this to Cassidy? Nog and I thought about it, but uh, we thought it would be better if you told her yourself. <laughs> They've got it all figured out for you pretty well, so, uh, Captain Sisko. Take a look. Green. What are they doing here? A tricorder's picking up a large concentration of dilithium in the area. They must be using the survivors of the Ravenock to mine the ore. So this Breen race, this is uh, actually the first the time... homeworld is a frozen wasteland. First this time we see them. They've been mentioned before in, in Star Trek, but this is the first time you actually see them in, in an episode for the Breen. No, not at all. I do admire their ingenuity. What is it? Now they see through their binoculars that uh, they see Zael. My daughter. It's pretty obvious, you know, they did a good job with the makeup on her. You know, she's Bajoran with a little bit of Cardassian makeup thrown in and a nice blending Hi. that makes her pretty We're obvious. Gonna need some help. I'm going to stay here and keep an eye on things while you go back to DS9 for reinforcements. I have a better idea. You go back to the station. I'll stay here. I'm sending you back, Dukat. That's an order. And I hate to refuse it, but I'm afraid I must. You're welcome to file an official protest with the Cardassian military when we get back. There's no way I'm leaving you here alone. Well, then I suggest we devise a plan to rescue these prisoners together. You need me, Major? Maybe I do. But if you hurt that girl... I promise, I'll kill you. These Breen are, um, they walk around with these helmets that look much like uh, Leia War in the beginning of uh, Return of the Jedi. Don't make any noise, we're here to help. You're Bajoran. Gather up as many prisoners as you can. Tell them to meet us here. How many Breen guards are there? I'm not sure. There are always at least eight in the mines. How many prisoners? There are only 31 of us left. What about Lord Akram? Did he make it? He died in a cave-in two years ago. You knew him? He was a friend. My condolences, Major, but we don't have time for this. Tell me where I can find Torazil. Don't tell him anything. He's a Cardassian. I don't understand. There's a peace treaty. And the occupation is over. I need to find the girl. Where is she? Well, the Breen have found you now. So they're kind of pinned down here. Dukat! They took out the Breen, Kira, and this other Bajoran that she found. 
And Ducat took off. He ran away. Go get the rest of the prisoners. Meet me at the entrance to the mine. Ducat knocked another Breen guy out. Where is Tora Zial? Now Ducat's coming uh, up Ziel. on Ziel behind, from behind. Father? Oh, it's really you. Mother said you... He's kind of got his gun uh, pointed at her. Father, what's wrong? Ducat, no. I'm warning you, Ducat, don't do it. She's behind him. Kira's behind no Ducat. Choice. There's always a choice. You don't want to do this. If you did, you never would have told me about Zial. Now put the rifle down. No. Cardassian prisoners. They told me this would happen. That you'd never let me go home. But I, I, I didn't believe them. Zial, run! And she just kind of stands her ground. I used to dream about you coming to save me. It's what kept me alive. And she kind of takes a few steps if towards him. Be with you. Then I'd rather die. And he tosses the gun down, of course, and hugs her. You can't, can't shoot your own kid. And this is a kind of a turning point for Dukat, I think, and, and between Dukat and, and Kira, you know, he, he becomes more sympathetic. Hello, ben. Certainly, and, and the relationship, I think, About shifts a little here. Bajoran Commerce Ministry. You know someone who's qualified for it? I know someone who would be perfect for it. You. I think you should take the job. I want you to take the job. You've been talking to Jake. How do you know? Oh, he's a smart boy. Must take after his mother. Hmm. <laughs> I owe you an apology. You came to tell me all this wonderful news that all I could say was, it's a big step. I don't know what I was thinking. Take a guess. I wanted to tell you how happy I was for you, for, for us. But it didn't come out that way. I, I was uncomfortable and a little nervous. A little nervous? 
All right. A lot nervous. I haven't been in a serious relationship for a long time. And I didn't expect to be in one anytime soon. Until I met you. This life I lead. This job I do. That's what got Jennifer killed. If anything ever happened to you, I... Why not let me worry about that? That's what Jake said. You see, smart boy. Look, I could stay here and listen to you apologize all day, but I've got to get to Bejo. Bejo? I, I thought... Oh, I know what you thought. But I took the job. Do you think I'd give up a great opportunity just because you got cold feet? <laughs> You're a good man, Benjamin Sisko. But you've got a lot to learn about women, especially this one. I'll see you when I get back. You can help me pick out quarters. I'll be here. And she kind of dodges. He was going to kiss her goodbye, and she kind of just smiles and, and walks away, which is pretty cool. What was it like, all that time alone with Ducat? I've had better weeks, but I'll never forget the look on his face when he sat on that set's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd been there. Major. Ducat, where's he up? Waiting for me aboard my ship. We'll be leaving for Cardassia shortly. I think I'll leave the two of you alone. I just wanted to say thank you, Major, for a most interesting journey. You're taking Zial back to Cardassia with you? After six years, she deserves a home and a father. Would that make things difficult for you? I let you know. And he kind of moves in close to Kira and says, you know, I'll let you know. And I think he kind of, you know, they, they always played with this Kira Dukat slight romance thing going on. And, and I don't think, uh, I'm glad they never really did anything with it. All right, let's dial down. So that's the episode, Indiscretion. You know, just uh, a couple of closing thoughts. Like I said, they, they'd always hinted at this Kira Dukat thing. And... I think they, you know, they start out as enemies in the series, then they become, I think they sort of have a mutual respect for each other. Uh, there was this playfulness of, you know, like I said, you know, Ducat obviously has an eye for the Bajoran ladies, and, and Kira is a strong Bajoran woman, and but they, you know, they never did anything with that. And, you know, they, they, I think it's best that way myself. I, I don't think that would have been a good idea. But I like this episode a lot, though. I think this really expands the the two characters and the relationship between Ducat and Kira. You've got the nice little side story with Cisco uh, and Cassidy going on. So it's a, it's just a nice fourth season episode that's not too heavy and has some you know good moments in it. And uh, it's a uh, it's a little disappointing that that Kira doesn't uh, find her her missing friend. 
you know, but I, I guess they wanted to keep the focus on, on Ducat and, and, and Zael and him finding his, you know, lost daughter out there and everything like that. So I, I, I guess that's probably the best, the best way to do that uh, without having a side thing of Kira actually finding her, her friend that uh, she was searching for. Um, I think that it was a little, the only thing I would have said is that it would have been a, a little nicer if there was some kind of closing moment, uh, you know, where maybe Kira was praying or something and, and mentioned her friend, you know, and found the earring for him or something and, and just kind of said a parting goodbye, maybe something like that. But anyway, a cool episode and uh, one I uh, enjoyed a lot. Deep Space Nine, such a rich series, such a great series, and, uh, you know, always fun to look at another episode from that. I'm going to take a very short break here, and I'll be back and we'll wrap up today's podcast. Hi, Treks and Sci-Fi. Gates McFadden, Dr. Beverly Crusher right here. Asking you to follow me on Twitter at Gates underscore McFadden. And check out my eBay listings, Gates McFadden's Trunk Sale. I am getting rid of all of that licensing stuff that, that I have collected in storage spaces over the years. It's all going for my nonprofit, Ensemble Studio Theater Los Angeles. Check it out. Bye. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, again, uh, just the last few things to, to say and wrap up with. Uh, the uh, The podcast uh, can be found, all the details regarding the show and everything can be found over at treksandsci-fi.com. Please join the forums, the Facebook group, if you're into Facebook or not. Uh, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. I know some people don't seem to like it, uh, but uh, we have a group on Facebook. Uh, there's a forum you can join. Just shoot me an email, and I can set you up with a, a login for that, treksandsci-fi.com, and then just click on the forum link. Also, a PayPal donations are always welcome. Uh, iTunes reviews, all links to all that stuff can be found on the main homepage. Uh, what's coming up on the podcast uh, the next couple of weeks, and then i got to map out a little bit more into July, but uh, next weekend, uh, the weekend uh, after the 4th, uh, this will be on the July 7th, uh, we're going to do a, a kind of an interesting, cool show with, um, we're going to be back here with Chris and his friend Chuck, and we're going to be looking at uh, Conan, Conan the Barbarian. Uh, mostly, I think, focusing on the film, probably touch on some other Conan-related topics, but mostly focusing on the uh, the first original film from the 80s uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, so that should be good. Uh, looking forward to doing that. Actually, I just picked up uh, Conan, that movie, uh, on Blu-ray the other day. Well, maybe a week or two ago I picked it up, and uh, I'm a, I plan on sitting down and watching it uh, and getting back up to the Conan speed, you know, and I'm not going to try to do it. Chris does a much better Arnold than I do. Uh, but then on the 14th of July, the week after that, Mark will be back. Mark Daniels, M5 on the forums. He's going to be back with another look at a classic uh, older sci-fi film, The Terror from Beyond Space. So I always love those. Uh, I, I grew up watching so many of those older sci-fi films. It's always a pleasure when Mark does one of those shows. So that's what's coming up on Trex and Sci-Fi. Again, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be talking to you again soon. Bye-bye. Dusty Podcast Production.